does the pavement end today? I think for me it ends in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, <laughs> or somewhere near Las Vegas, Nevada, very southernly portion of our state. My brother, uh, fortunate enough to draw his second sheep tag, if you've been listening in the past few weeks. You didn't? I didn't. No. God <laughs> oh, dang it. Really, one day, maybe really, one day. Really, really sunk in, too, that like I've helped my dad get one. I've helped my mom get one. I did not go on my brother's first hunt because I think I was still in college, but then I helped him get a second one. So I've been a part of my whole family harvesting desert bighorn sheep and never for myself, never even drawn a tag. And then when you finally get your tag, you, you won't have anybody to help you. It'll all be busy. <laughs> it's how it works. <laughs> yeah. A little salty over there. <laughs> that, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, we'll delve into that later, Clint. <laughs> Somebody better come help me. <laughs> Today, uh, we're going to relive that hunt without my brother. He lives down in Las Vegas. I guess at some point we could get him up here to chat about it, yeah, but we fun. want to chat about it now while it's fresh in our memory. We want to thank Benelli for their... They they always add rifles. Some the people music. think that they just started coming out with this rifle, this Lupo. The Lupo is new, but they did have rifles before that, badass yeah. rifles. And this Lupo is just more of a... I would say readily available badass rifle. Wouldn't you? Would would you agree or disagree with my statement? No, I, I obviously being on their team, we had heard that it was you know through the grapevine and kind of keep it on the download for you know they were testing out and doing all this research and stuff and testing for years on this new Lupo, and I can't remember exactly the number of like patents it has on it. It has like five, six, seven patents of, on a gun, it, which is unheard of. <laughs> well, I don't know unheard of, but especially you would think that every... Everything had been done. It had been done on a rifle, right? But they just keep making things better. And uh, that's insane. And I mean, I was a one shot, one kill on my elk. We'll talk about Clint's, maybe not this podcast, but another podcast, another one shot, one Spoiler kill. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, rifles. In a weird way, we, I mean, I guess we, we've shot it a lot on the range, but yeah, it hasn't gotten a lot of field practice. It hasn't got a lot of work. Which is a couple, the way it's supposed to be. A couple coyotes. A lot of range work and elk. a little bit of field work. <laughs> yeah, right. That, one at a time. And uh, so, yeah. That's a good problem. Uh, yes, yeah. they have been good, been there in the past, but I mean, with the little that we've been able to use it with the limited number of tags that you can draw here in Nevada. Um, it's, it's flawless. So I, I would love to see it like a 22, 250. I know they've got a six, five Creed more now and a 243 yep. and yep. 30 out six. Fingers crossed. Yeah. 270, 300 Winchester, six, five, 243. I, and I talked to George and he hasn't said yes or no on, he just says there's more coming. But he hasn't let me know caliber wise. Right. But um, I mean, we shot that one 243. That's it's a hair, might be a hair large for a coyote, but yeah. pretty badass rifle to be carrying around. And suppressed, which they're already threaded from the already uh, threaded. manufacturer. Manufacturer. Uh-huh. That's a hard word. It's a hard word to say. Man spell it. Man. Manufacturer. <laughs> However, we say that. Yeah. What a what did you? Let shoot? me put you oh, on the spot here, go, real ooh. quick. Are they made in Italy? 
where where do the rifles come from? Italy. They do come from Italy. Yeah. Says it right on there. No kidding. Their headquarters, Maryland. Yeah. What is? How do so, you say? How do you say the town? It's like uh, Ed, Edirondack. Yeah, Ed, yeah, it's something weird like something that. Weird. It's the it's the Native American tribe in that area. But it's uh, Edirondack. It's funny. So when you get the book, some of the the instructions are in Italian. <laughs> it's pretty. I always funny. love going to shot show and seeing the the dudes yeah, that are like fresh them. off the boat from Italy at the yeah. shot show in Vegas. They're awesome. But the, but yeah, they're um, straight there and. That's the thing, I, if I remember right, with, with talking with George, the reasons why they come up with some of the calibers and, and is coming from Italy, I guess some of the twist rates are different in Italy, like mm. on the barrel. It's not like a 1 in 7 or 1 in 9 or 1 in 11. It's some kind of weird number coming from Italy to here. So they had to do some stuff there. Uh, you know, they tested out certain ammo with the rate twist and all this stuff. But they came out with, I believe it's a one in a seven rate twist on the barrel. I think you're just getting confused. I think it's like una septa. So oh, it just kind of got you. <laughs> oh, you just got to say it in, in, yeah, in, in Italian oh, and see, then it's okay. See, see, that's correct. Uh, let's, let's correct real quick too. Italian headquarters is in Urbino, Urbino, Italy. And in the United States, it's a, uh, Adirondacks, the mountain range. Yeah, Once yeah. I said that, I was like, "That yeah." It's a uh, Akakeek, A C C O K E E K, Anoka. No, that's where Federal is, which is another word Ak- where we were talking about Anoka, Minnesota. We were gonna get what a we, nice segue into that. That's crazy. I, I thought you said it was gonna be Anoka, but yeah, no, that's where Federal is. And I was gonna ask you, you use the same ammo that I used, right? Two hundred grain, three hundred Winchester Winchester Mag. 200 grain terminal ascent. Terminal ascent. That's insane, that terminal ascent bullet. So much power. And uh, We're not going to give it away. We did already post it to our Instagram so we could briefly talk about it. Well, like we've talked about as far as just ballistics-wise, the drop, I was 16 MOAs at 800 yards, zeroed in at 100. So it went 16 MOAs at 800 yards. Which is 50-something inches, right? Well, I have to do the calculation, but it's it's not that much. I mean, when you look at like two seventy and thirty out six. I mean, I think you're like at twenty four. No, for sure, twenty six at those kinds of distances. So it's it's like two thirds of the drive. So just it's a it's pretty a bullet, damn fast, but it's got it's a lot heavy, of powder behind it's it. It's got so much speed that it doesn't drop near as much as you would expect. I since I drove to Vegas uh, and back twice in the last two weeks, I got a lot of listening in, and uh, I heard a. Uh, a little article being read. They wanted the five top long range, uh, you know, caliber ammunition. And they said unanimously, all 10 of the long range shooters that were interviewed, 300 win mag. Really? Yeah. Wow. But with all the stuff that's out and all that, it's, they said the, 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 they wanted the top five. So they said, you know, the, the, the second four were all over the place, but unanimously, every one of the top long range shooters says 300 Win Mag's the best long range uh, caliber out there. I would attest to that, and it's basically it's pretty much a one. That's what our, you know, that's what the military uses, yeah. unless you're shooting a fifty, you know, or 
like a 338, but those are those are big, you know. Well, the AR wise, it's the 308, but yeah. Two, yeah. 223 for the AR. But I'm saying the but snipers. They did 308 is, I mean, that's the 308 is the other caliber for your common AR platforms. Yeah, for an AR 10. It's basically a one to one ratio, by the way, too. For the most part, 16 MOAs is 16 inches. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, four, yeah, four quarter inches per MOA, depending on right. your thing. Four clicks to yeah. an MOA. Yeah. So, so, an MOA so only is 16 point, inches a drop at 1.047 inches. So it's just it's a one to one. Yeah. So 16 seven, inch drop. 17, 18 inch. Well, you know, point zero. Yeah, a little over. Point zero. No, point oh, zero, zero four seven. So it's, you know, it's 16 inches. That's it at 800 yards. That's, That's pretty, pretty good. Did you have it? Uh, did you have any uh, drift side to side or no? Was it calm day? The wind that we had was crazy. Um, it was just a crazy stock and everything, but we had wind that was quartering off the right shoulder. But as we kind of come around the crest of this hill, it was kind of blowing right at them. Our wind was... It was which in that video, good. you see that one bull kind of look over, even oh, though you're they, that far away, us. which shows you, tells you about their the wind. Yeah, the wind didn't affect the bullet at all. I talked to Jared and told him, you know, what happened. I don't know if you had called him. I haven't yet, talked, talked to him. To him. So I told him all the stuff that you had told me, and... He, and I said, the craziest thing, and I don't even know if you know this, the craziest thing is he didn't even zoom in. He left yeah, it he like his six power or something, right? Yeah, he said he checked the level. He and checked the level, checked it was right on, and pulled the trigger. He to zoom. <laughs> and and uh, Jared's like, what a dumb shit. He even did that out on the uh, on the range a few times. You know, I was teaching him. I'd like, hey, and he'd zoom in and go, oh, that's a lot better. But that, that particular Vortex doesn't have like a center crosshair if huh? it's the same one that's on my... No, 22, does, yeah. Oh, does it? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's different. Because you don't have to zoom. You know what I mean? Like it has all those measurements kind of coming together into like a mm -hmm. fine point mm -hmm. without where. It does. It has that too. It has the correction. But with a crosshair? With a crosshair. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it's different. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, cause if if you're zoomed way out, you know, that crosshair would dang near be the same size as that elk, but you obviously felt good enough to. I, and until I could tell you in the moment, I mean, there's so many things in your mind, but when, when you get a, what, a week and a half away from it, the biggest thing was my gun when I set it down on the Eberly stock pack. I I shit you not, it was bubble level. Like I didn't have to do any adjustment. Did you have those bipod legs out or not? I had the I had the bipod legs out, and that was a comfortable thing. Or were you kind of just like it couldn't have been any better. Like the moment it got set down, and I I guess that's what gave me. I just felt so calm at that point. I I was a wreck because you know you're still stalking an animal, and they you could tell that one with its nose up they were on you, but. When I saw that the bubble level, and it's kind of like, it can't be that. So I checked it one more time. Like, this thing is dead level. I'm, I'm holding right on. And so I just felt perfect. And I just, I honestly, I don't, I forgot to <laughs> zoom in, you know. <laughs> but I just felt, I felt really steady and, and comfortable. And it was just, I guess, that last thing on the checklist that, like, it didn't even, I didn't need to go there because that bubble was so perfect. It's like, right now is the opportunity. And as you see on the video, it wasn't like you had all the time in the world. It was no. the kind of terrain where I was just very lucky that he stopped where he stopped, but there was a lot of possibilities of him moving one step and not having a shot. So it was kind of like, is it, I wanted to go one more time. Like you're practicing and practicing. And I was like, I want to do one more just to, and I'm like, I don't have to. Yeah. The thing is dead level. I'm holding steady on him. My breathing is under control. Pull the trigger. And then I think maybe a half hour later I was that's what I was doing. I looked back at my scope, and of course, I still had it at, still had the MOAs dialed up. And I looked, and I go, "It's on six. It's probably on about seven power. It's on about seven power." And I'm like, "Oh my god!" I That's where I keep my cow, hunting. <laughs> well, and I like the idea that you keep it out, 
you know, so you have your field of well, view, like when you're trying there, to yeah. find them in the scope, and then you you know you dial it in as you go, and it's just it just didn't it seems like I didn't need to do it. I was gonna I asked Alex this uh, when I first talked to him, but so I was I was at 13 MOA at 700 yards. Okay. I was 16 MOA. Pretty simple math there. You know, I was at 16. So there's three MOA difference. He was at 750. He was like at 753. What what have you what would adjustment would have you made off of your 700 yard 13 MOAs? How many more clicks would have you went? Probably on the fly, like okay, yeah. that's this is as close as we're gonna get, you know. From 13, you said 13 at 700. And he was at 750. 750. I probably would have went to Three more. Just three clicks? Yeah. Wow. You said I said a full MOA. Yeah, full you said MOA. a full MOA. I no, went, that's four clicks. I went six clicks. I went an MOA and a and half. And you shot it. Because I, 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 I just split high. it in half, but that was dumb, right? And, yeah. you know, not enough, but I did. I shot high. I shot probably right where it was supposed to go because I went to six clicks. Yeah, three or four. Because it's mean, not, it should be, even though it's three, if you look back at 600 yards it's not three there so it's like exponentially changing so yeah. it should have only been probably four maybe five at the most but i guess that extra couple at that distance yeah. two clicks a half of an moa as long as you're holding level. three inches as long as you're holding level, level yeah. i probably probably a three inch three inch change mm-hmm. and you know instead of hitting them like right in the heart i hit them a little bit in the aorta just above and then double lunged it like it went through the top part of the lungs and what do you run 20 yards i figured like 60 hit a tree and yeah, it was hmm. it was pretty quick. The 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 thing, I mean, kind of sum up what we're talking about as far as partners. Growing up, I mean, we, we didn't shoot long range. We didn't do any of that, right? We just had our little two to twelve Tasco, or maybe yep. we had a Leupold that you know really original. You know, we were really high end. Dad's was a Redfield, if I remember. Maybe right. Redfield. Yeah, Redfield. yeah, yeah, it was a red and. But now the confidence that I have shooting, especially long distance, is insane. Because you have the technology in, and that's obviously with, with the technology that comes from the, you know, science not scientists but engineers in at Benelli Federal, and Vortex, right? That combination to to me, I have so much confidence in shooting because I know they've done the work behind and. It works. So it's all on me, right, to oh, yeah. practice. So now I do have the confidence to take what I have and not – if I – I'm always going to try to get in as close as I can because that to me is, uh, you know, just cha- a more challenge to me hunting. But sometimes you can't do that. Like Clint would have never been able to get closer to that bull. I would have never been able to get closer to my bull. You're in the trees. You would have never, never seen him again. Right. So there's just some instances that you have to do that if you were – going to you know shoot it and so why not spend a little bit more money and get the technology if you're going to go on a hunt like that you know so i I just i've never like i said i've never had more confidence in shooting anything because you don't have to do holdovers oh three feet above his back and shoot and you know that's which is sometimes very unethical right you wound the animal never find him then he gets eaten by a mountain lion or a coyote so I just love the fact that being able to have confidence in what you're shooting so much, you don't have to, to worry about it. You know, back then you would have to worry about holdovers and this and that. Now it's, it's just dial and pull the trigger. It's a you world know? of difference. So I, I just, 
it's awesome. And I love that, you know, we get to use the best in the business. So, yeah. And that's what, uh, that's what creates success. Doesn't it? Got to have good tools. Yes, sir. Yeah. The only other thing I would add to that is just like the playing off the psychology of it. I mean, we all have maybe common reasons and slightly different reasons why you're going to get buck fever. Everybody's had buck (laughs) fever before. And if you start to really like analyze it in your mind, um, it's to me, it's always the proximity to the animal, like the closer you're getting, even if you know, you still got them tricked you in the back of your mind, you're automatically going to be more antsy. Cause it's like, they're, you know, they're going to have to, close, yeah. at some point they're going to smell you, hear you, see you, whatever. And, um, I, I guess adding to the technology part of it, it does, it almost puts you psychologically, mentally a little more at ease that you're not having to get that. You don't have to close that next 200 yards because you can feel just as comfortable at 600 yards as you do at 400. Yeah. You know, and really it's not, it's not that big of a difference. Once you get your, you do the work and get your turrets dialed in. Um, there's two reasons why, especially with that elk, with that elk hunting in that country, I think our two most recent experiences, clays and, and, uh, chances, we just really, in a lot of ways, we're just extremely lucky, especially with chances. Everything had to work out absolutely perfectly, and he gets a 178-yard shot. But if you took if you took 10 different animals, you know, bull elk that are killed in that country, I got to think that they average 500 to 600 yards as far as the distance that they're shot but we're because forget- it's that kind of country. So I just I was just saying, like, for me, I don't know about you guys, but that's – that's always been, especially archery hunting, you know, you have to get in close. And it's like every step you take, you get more buck fever because it's like any minute they're going to bolt. And yeah. being that you can feel comfortable at a bit more distance, it for whatever you're sacrificing and not getting closer, you're making up for it because you don't have that antsiness and that kind of buck fever. And you're just calmer and you're going to make a much more clean shot, most like, you know, a good squeeze of the trigger and you're not going to be shaken or any of that kind of stuff. But That's we also forgot about, about it. we forgot about, Chances antelope too, yeah, right? So was, he that was four hundred thirty-seven, I think four thirty-seven, and that's a little-bodied animal, and that's a real little, and <laughs> I mean right through the heart. So, so the same kind of thing. Think about that. Think about like, ah, that's a that's a long shot for a kid on a on an antelope. If and you're not necessarily comfortable because you didn't practice those kind of distances, let's try to close that distance. Not only are you way increasing your odds of them blowing out. I think every time you get a little bit closer, it's just natural, at least to me. I get a little more antsy, like, oh, man, you're just a little bit more nervous when it's you're like on that stock. So. When you call a coyote in close, you know, 100 yards, you're, no big deal. But when they're breathing on you, you a little bit more <laughs> emotion comes out of you. In. Sure, sure. So. <laughs> I think on both sides of that, that's that's another another feather in the cap of being able to have partners that have that advanced technology for us. That it, I don't want to say it makes hunting easier, but it does give you – one that less thing to worry about. Easier, just a little bit well, more advantage. There's, you still got to, there's still some skill involved, obviously. Oh, yeah. But just th- what takes out, like you said, is back in the day, it was put put the crosshairs on the top of his shoulder, you know, it yeah. t- or a foot over his back or yeah. whatever, you know. Now you don't have to do that. You can put it where you want it, and then it takes care of the bullet drop for you. That definitely doesn't, it's definitely not like a, it's not like a, a, a layup. No, when you're shooting at 800 yards at anything, you know, I mean, 100%. It's got its own skill set. I mean, there's some there's some diehards out there that'll argue with you, but like you said, there's certain places in our at least in our you know area you there to. you have to. I mean, there's what just, caliber did your brother shoot at the sheep? 
300 win, sweetie. Everything. Everybody's going 300 win, sweetie. Which I thought was a little bit much for <laughs> I would think so too. The sheep and it was uh, <laughs> And it was a close shot and uh and it was funny because the entrance and exit holes were exactly the same. Never, the bullet never even what had a, time to open you up. You remember what what a what bully shot? Grain and you know, which I don't. Shot? I didn't even ask him. I don't. Think. I would assume he shot. He had to shot maybe 165 grain. I think down in that. I don't area. know how maybe low you can go burger. to 300. I mean, 300 usually packs. I know there's good that bunch. 185 yeah. uh, burger. I don't round, know. but let's see. I'm gonna go to. I want to see. He had a. What's the smallest 300 ammo you can get? Federal. Or just period. No. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. I bet you they can get it down to 150. I was gonna say 165 seems right, but and his how far was his shot? Yeah, it was. 270, 270, like one. And it layup. was it layup. was funny. Go ahead. No, no, I'm saying oh. it was a layup. It was layup, a layup. Yeah. yeah. And it was funny because I was I was probably you know four or five yards behind him, and I give him a range, you know, and. I said, you know, 275. And he's just like laying there. And I do it again. I'm like, 275. <laughs> and he turns around and goes, I can't hear you. Come over here. I'm like, <laughs> Jesus. That's a Las Vegas hunter for you, huh? <laughs> so I walk over there. I'm like, 275. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, and he's laying down. I guess I've jumped to the end, but oh, well. Uh, you know, he's laying down. I'm standing up. So he shoots. And dusk comes up behind him. And I'm watching through my binoculars. And I said, I think you missed high. And I said, but he's running right towards us. So like he was actually getting closer. So I figured, you know, if, if you, I, it, cause I thought he missed, yeah. but it was just so fast. The different, and, and it was the difference of me being up, you know, four or five feet above him. He, you know, it ran 15 yards and fell over, you know, and, and it was, yeah, it was a perfect shot. But like I said, the, the entrance and exit were the same size. Cause it just never had time. Right through didn't him, hit never bone, hit any bone didn't, or anything yeah. like that. One One fifty. Sorry. Uh, most probably, of them 165. There's one load that's 150. What were you shooting at 200? You said 200. 200. Yeah. Terminal What's the biggest the one they have? Two, while we're on topic. I thought 215. Wow. Looks like 200, 200, 180, 190, 250. What? Uh, so go back. You, you kind of went to the end there. So I know. I don't rewind to I know, the let's, beginning. Let's Hell's go back to the beginning. Hunt. He had a just to set it up. I know my my bull elk started on Sunday, uh, Sunday November. Now I'm going to forget whatever that Sunday was. And his opened up on Saturday, the day before. So yeah, the I think 6th, the 20th, 21st or something like that. Yeah, yours was, his was the 21st. His opened the 20th, 20th. yours opened the 21st. 21st, that's what it was. Okay, so you so you head out of town and so, yeah, Saturday I drove down there opening day. Friday, uh, Friday afternoon. He lives down there. So his his unit is uh, the Muddies, 268. Um, and pretty close to Las Vegas, like yeah. about an hour drive every morning. And, uh, yeah, so I drove down Friday uh, morning, Friday mid-morning, afternoon, something like that. Did anyway. you camp or stay at his house? Stay at his house. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Literally. I mean, especially with how early it's it gets dark, you know what I mean? Like, Because uh, I thought about it, like, why, we should be camping, but you're back at camp at 5 p.m., you know what I mean? And, like... What are you going to do? The, yeah, you can go. <laughs> there are the flat. A lot dude, of things to do in Vegas. That's what I mean. Is so <laughs> we were uh, so we were getting up at four or, uh, you know, right there close to it, three thirty four, and we'd get up and yeah, 
if you wanted to, you could jump in the shower or whatever, you know, and then go grab coffee and gas. And we were picking up uh, his buddy Hector every morning who lives down there as well. One morning, uh, our buddy Justin hunted with us, but he met us at the house. So we didn't have to get up earlier for him, you know, but they all live down there. So yeah, get up three thirty four, you know, go get a coffee, go get gas, drive out there. And it was, it sucked in a way, you know, it's a lot of driving obviously, but, uh, it was about enough time to drink like three quarters of a big cup of gas station coffee, you know, and then you'd be to where you wanted to be for, you know, first light. And, uh, it's kind of, it's, I don't know. I'm not an expert sheep hunter by any means, but it's a, it's a lot of glassing. What were your uh, temperatures like? Dude, 87. Hot. No, it, literally. <laughs> what were your morning lows? 40s? I never, I, I never wore a jacket. The so, most I ever wore was a vest. And so it maybe. was, yeah, it was 40, 48, you know, 47, 48. And then it would go all the way to 65, 70. Like most days I was into a t-shirt by, you know, 11 o'clock. <laughs> but one day, um, one day we hiked up to, uh, we hiked up on top of this mountain to look down at um, some country and the wind was blowing and it never stopped. That was the coldest I got. Uh, I had, the, that's when I found out I broke my vest. Uh, but I, so I had that vest with the battery in it, that heated vest and I turned it on and it was working and then I, my head was cold. So I went and get my pack, got a beanie on. So at the, you know, I wore that was, but the wind was blowing like 40, you know, all day and on, you couldn't get away from it. You go to one side of the mountain, it'd be blown in your face. You go to the other side, it'd be blown in your face, try and get under some rocks. <laughs> and I don't, you guys, I don't know if you've ever hunted down in Vegas, everything, it's like Never. Mexico. Everything is uncomfortable, dude. Everything's sharp and trying to you, get you. Yeah, dude, all the rocks, like you can't sit on a rock and glass down there because they're all sharp, dude. They, they tear your clothes and stuff. And then all the ground is, I, dude, I almost sat on a little barrel cactus that I did sit on it, but not, they didn't like poke into me, you know, but I sat on it. It was just a miserable, miserable experience being up there and with that half ass cold. So you need wind to bring blowing. a seat. Next. You got to have, you got to have a seat. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, a lot of it is just, you don't have to get to those high, glassing points we did that day on some advice from uh some people you know to go look at this certain area um it, it wasn't worth it i mean the wind might have played a, a factor in it too but it was like a it was like a four mile hike all uphill obviously and then all the way to the top of the peak to look down at all this country we never even saw ram we saw like 20 u's up there so but yeah the weather was freaking beautiful you know i mean Hard for mostly hunting, kind of rolling really open hills or what I mean, i've never been real to real never... real uh steep nasty stuff and then followed by yeah like rolling kind of like sandy hills and that's where that they lead were? right back into another mountain you know what oh. i mean but they all and the sheep are everywhere dude they they can be in the nasty tallest thing you find and then they can be out in those flats you know they're just they're what I figured. They're just very nomadic. Like there's not a lot of water for them. There's not a lot of feed for them. So I think they just kind of wander around trying to find, just water trying to find everything, you know, everything And the waters. Is it guzzler man-made guzzler stuff? Or there's some Springs or what'd you guys run into there? They have uh yeah. So they have, I don't, I don't know how many they have. We did see they're crazy guzzlers too. There's, there's at least five of them, I think in his unit. Um, and they'll actually fill them with uh, helicopters if 
the water gets run out of them. Not I, maybe not all of them they'll fill, but they keep a couple of them that they'll fill right out of Lake Mead. They'll go dump the fire bucket in and dump <laughs> it. If there's the any thing. water in Lake Mead, right? <laughs> but that's what they're running into, man. Is that that Lake Mead's real low and Colorado's not getting any snow and Vegas hasn't had any rain. But so I guess they get a lot of their uh, moisture out of the out of what they eat. Like they don't have to travel to those guzzler cactus. Like, Cact the barrel cactuses and that in that green grass. Um, so they like won't travel. Like you could probably kill one if you sat on one of those guzzlers. I mean, okay. uh, not really good hunting though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you could probably. I mean, they use them obviously. And I imagine there's guys that do. Oh that, yeah, right. Hundred percent. So some traffic. Um, we actually saw one there. It's called the cliffside guzzler, and it's in an area where there's some wild horses, which we learned later are like dropped off wild horses like people don't want them anymore and they oh. go release them in this part of vegas and it's like a common thing the fishing game told us there's always like three to a dozen of these horses out there but they're not they're not wild they're yeah. they're domestics people that were released or whatever don't have enough money to take care of them right. or just whatever and go drop them off that's why there's no wild true wild mustang anymore right so they uh they put this thing it's called the cliffside guzzler and literally it, the the collection thing is up on one cliff and then you see all these pipes going down in the in the part you know the holding tank and the part that they drink out of is like on this other cliff that i mean literally a sheep's the only thing that could get to that's it that's cool that like that's what's funny about vegas too is you don't see anything else there's no deer there's no antelope there's no there's no rabbits there's <laughs> dude there's like nothing there's no i mean they're out there somewhere you just you never see them i saw uh one set of coyote tracks we saw those. We did see some horses, obviously, in that one spot. Um, and then the sheep. That's it, dude. But it's not like here, you know, where you could be looking at an antelope, you could be looking at a deer, you could be looking at an elk, you could be looking at a deer. It's, they're just sheep. That's all that I guess can live down there. Maybe they're the only ones dumb enough to live down there. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Um, so you went down and hunted for four or five days the first time, right? Because I know you came home. Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we came home for Thanksgiving. Um, and obviously, you saw a bunch of rams. Just, oh yeah, just tons of them. My bro- but my brother does already have one, so he wanted to kill a big one. But yeah, we could have killed a ram on the first day, you know. And a lot of you know what, a like what a normal ram looks like. You know what I mean? Like Kent calls them cookie cutters. You know that one fifty five. You know, pretty much a five year old, pretty year old, pretty skinny. Yeah, ram. You know that's the old Nevada antelope. Yeah, dude, the seventy eight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You could kill tons of those. It, I, it's it's crazy how many of those are actually running around. And then we did see, um, we saw a big one that was, uh, but he was he was broken off. Both of his, actually, one of them was broken off really far back, um, and he had about half of the other one left. But he was big, he was heavy, and you know we could have got him for sure. But he just broomed off big time, huh? Yeah, and and he still, you know, he probably still was like a one sixty ram just because wow. how heavy he was. But, you know, he was broken. And then we saw an absolute giant that was missing pretty much his whole – he had his horn still. He had that crown, you know, that you kind of see if you look at him head on. But then his one was broken off, you know. It was probably – he only had probably 10 inches of horn left. But uh-huh. his other side was giant, dude. Like, he was a stud in his life. Heavy and long, you know, at least that one. He was with – uh he was with three other pretty decent rams and he made them all look tiny. 
on the one side when he would turn to that one side that was still there. Do they giant? I guess I've never thought about it. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think they don't. They shed? don't. They don't shed and uh-uh. regrow their sheath every. I know it's a sheath. Yeah, yeah. But so they, but they yeah. do. Once it's broke, it's pretty much broke. I mean, they can start to build it back. I imagine, but it's never going to be that full horn again, huh? No. It, well, if they break like the tip off, it'll never reform like into a tip. You know what I mean? It, it's still growing this way, but if they break it too far, I say this way on the thing you can't <laughs> see. It keeps growing out from their skull. But if they break those front uh, tips off, they never come back. They never get any more growth going out that way. It'll just it grows from the the back forward. You know what I mean? So that one that he broke it off so high, he'll never live long enough to recuperate. You know what I mean? That what he lost. Yeah. Same with like that big heavy one that was broken so far back towards the back of his jaw. He'll keep getting longer, but he he won't live long enough to. So like a, a, a you know. A big ram, a good ram's got 35 to, you know, 37, 38 inch long horns. But yeah, he's broken clear back to like 25. He'll never make it back out to that sure. that other number to be big again. But you could see, like I said, that one and a half horned one or whatever he was, his one side was huge, dude. And there's another thing you got to worry about down there, right? As far as the park. Right? Oh, yeah. So is it... Is it like you have to have onyx oh, yeah. or is it fenced? No. No fence. No fence. No fence, no signs, nothing. And, and giant bighorn sheep all over it, dude. So so what park is? Tell, tell me about that. So it's a Nevada State Park. Uh, it's the Valley of Fire. Okay. And it's a badass park, dude. If anybody ever is down in Vegas and wants something to do instead of going gambling or drinking or whatever, take that hour drive out. You go right by Lake Mead. And then that's a, you're going towards Mesquite, right? A lot of people maybe heard. I think Valley of Fire is on the way from Vegas to Mesquite. That'd be I don't know, yeah. That'd be a destination. I think you'd be going. Oh to yeah, as yeah, far yeah. As yeah. Or Overton. Through. I don't know how big Overton, Overton is, but you're Overton's going that a way. Tiny place, but yeah, I think Mesquite's the the reason a yeah. lot of people would be traveling that direction. But that Valley of Fire is those. They're like these crazy red rocks, like at Red Rocks in Vegas, that you can kind of see that bright red. But these ones are all coming out of the earth, like. You know, they look like somebody jammed a, a a rock down inside of the earth versus, you know, but they're growing out obviously from the earth and they're red. They're red as red gets, dude. It's crazy. And it's so when you when you're sheep hunting there, like when you get on those big mountains and you look over, it does. It looks like a fire, like a flame going all the way through this valley. It's badass. And a lot of native, a lot of oh yeah, petroglyphs and yeah. We went up and checked out the petroglyphs. That those are not well. There's probably some on the state park too, but these ones that. Uh, we went and checked out or we're actually where my, my dad had the same unit. He, he killed his Ram where those, uh, petroglyphs are. So you can go check them out. Like while you're hunting or whatever, you know, it's a, it's a destination to go. Uh, it's a spot, I guess I should say people go hunt you can go check them out. So but, it's, as far as the hunting territory, it's, it's in the unit, but it's not fenced. It's not fenced. And you, so you got to know where you're at GPS wise. Yep. What, it, what's the rules of carrying a, a weapon onto it, retrieving an animal that you guys. So that's, that's funny, dude. So we were under the impression you could not bring a firearm on there. Um, we got stopped by fish and game. And that when I was telling you guys about that mountain, we climbed up, there was a different way that you could go, which put you through the state park and then you'd walk through it. We didn't think you could do that because of having a firearm. We got stopped by fish and game before we went up there and we said, Hey, we're thinking about going to check out this, whatever x spot and uh he said oh yeah go go park at the you can park near the valley of fire uh 
yeah, visitor sure. center oh, okay. and walk in. And we said, I said, you can bring a gun on there. He goes, yeah. He goes, just tell the lady's name. I forget her name now. He said, here's her phone number. Call her and just say, hey, we're planning on walking into X spot and uh, we're going to walk through the park with a gun. And she's totally fine with it. He said, people do the people that know about it do it all the time. So they'll let you do that. But uh, if you are caught hunting on the state park or you kill a ram on the state park, it's it's a minimum $10,000 fine and 10 years loss of your hunting license. Uh, but So don't do it. Don't do, yeah, do that. But you have every right to go retrieve an animal you shot as long as you can prove yeah, I mean, because if you and, make a bad shot, right, and it goes runs off and dies on the park, you, yeah, you're you fine. can go you out. Play, you, but you just you contact. You, you got You got That's what. Uh, so he. It's funny you brought that up. When he stopped us, he was actually en route uh, to go check. Somebody had accused a guy of shooting a U on the state park, and uh, the guy said, "Well, I I marked." I have my GPS marked. We can go. I'll take you right out. He said, you know, I'll show you where the, you know, field dressing part is. I'll take you right to where I took my shot. It's marked. It's all marked. I, you know, I'm nowhere near the park. Yeah. I might be near it, but I'm not on it. Yeah. You know, and yeah. he was going to check it out. And uh, it's common. It's dude, There's huge, huge rams. We literally, we drove through the park one time. We saw two giants. Yeah. You, literally, they're <laughs> 10 feet off the road. They, they know. Yeah, they know. They, they literally know. But they do wander off, and that's what I had a buddy had this tag last year, the year before, and uh, he missed one that they said was like a hundred and eighty inch Ooh. ram that was on the park, came off the park, and uh, he he missed it. But it's very, I, I think they're they get to be well known on the park because, like I said, they're they're it's, literally right there. Yeah. The pictures I have of the two that we saw are just from my iPhone, and they're just giant rams. It, it was cool because he had. Right eye or left eye was like missing. His right or, eye was gone. Yeah. yeah, it was. Wonder what happened there. A fight, probably probably fight. fighting. Yeah, got it. Got a horn to the eyeball. But he was big and healthy. Huge, yeah. And then the one that was with him or close to him, big and healthy. That's what you know. My brothers. Uh, when I went and looked back at the pictures, like my dad's ram looked like real healthy, and you know, my brothers just par- partially because my brothers was older. But I just think the drought's really taking a toll on yeah. that stuff out there because he was skinny and, you know, not like when you picture those sheep, they got that real smooth kind of a coat, you know, and and all kind of put together well, you know. He he was kind of just kind of scraggly, you know what I mean? Like my brother <laughs> wanted to do a full body mount and when we kind of got up to him, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do a shoulder mount, you know, because he just kind of, like I said, just or buy a cape, huh. I guess. Huh? Yeah. They're just not real. I think in the, the biologist kind of confirmed, you know, that it's been a, it's been a tough couple of years well, in Nevada in general. It's just for a everything, for everything. When you get down there where it's 115, 120 and a lack of water, lack here. of water, dude, them, those things are, they're hurting. And they, uh, like I said, the fishing game are the guys that fill those, uh, guzzlers for them. But, there's only so much money in the budget to fly a helicopter out yeah. to Lake Mead, which already doesn't have a lot of water in it. Pull it out and water him. I mean, so. What, uh, so you went down Saturday, came home Wednesday or Thanksgiving morning? I came home Thanksgiving morning, did the whole Thanksgiving thing. Uh, and then we didn't even go back. I mean, I wouldn't have gone back. I would have just made him stay. But so we, 
basically took a, a weekend and then uh, three days off, and then I drove back Thursday. And that's a. I mean, that's a. The thing about that tag, it's like a month it's long, a month right? Long, yeah, yeah. So it's or maybe even a little bit more. Yeah. So it's it's a definitely different from any other tag. Usually there a week and a half or max two weeks. Yeah. He uh he could have hunted. A, I know through New Year's for sure. And I think actually maybe like a week into January. So it might be like a six-week tag. Damn. Something like that. I think, I think we looked at it. I think it was like January 3rd or January 6th. Yeah, something some like reason. that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah and, but you know what's funny is I've, I've talked to a couple people and, uh, you know, if, if you can put in the time, there are some like giant rams all over our state. Oh, yeah. But the problem is like how much time – you know, if you were a retired guy that was still in good shape, and because it's not easy to get after them either, you know, but, you know, and you wanted to spend 15, 20 days, you probably could kill a giant out there. But, like, you know, you look at so many rams and it's like so many days of hunting. And, and then you when you see one that's, you know, my brother wanted to kill a 165. You know, you see one on your sixth day of hunting, as it turned out to be for us, pretty hard to go, nah. You know what I mean? I want to, yeah. Now I want a 180, you know, like, <laughs> but... You could, and that's what's funny. Like, uh, our buddy was uh, with a gal, and she got one. It was like a 165, I think he said, something like that. And then he said, you know, if we spent 10 more days, could we have gotten a bigger one? Probably. But then you think about that, and you're like, damn, you you already hunted for five or six days, and you're looking at 10 more days to, to weed them all out, and maybe something – you know, a long season can be a, a, yeah. a hindrance as, as great as it is. You know what I mean? But – it's pretty like my brothers. It was kind of like it was funny. So I mean, I'll I'll give you the Reader's Digest. Uh, <laughs> we go down this draw, and these two little rams. Is this on the kill day? That's yeah. This is okay. So, gonna ask so, you, so, so we're you back. Where you went back after Thanksgiving. Uh, so I Thanksgiving. left Thursday uh, mid morning ish, kind of again, and got and and we got up to hunt Friday morning. So six. So a week later. Hunting. A week yeah. later. Okay. Yeah, a, week a week later from okay. Yeah, so we hunted that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, took the weekend and, and Thanksgiving off, and then those three days left or whatever in the week, and then yep. I drove back down there Thursday. All right. Uh, so Friday morning, and it's funny because, you know, we had a couple other people helping us, but then just the way timing worked out and it being on a Friday, like, they couldn't go, you know, they, both of them had to work or whatever, but they both were <laughs> committed to hunting Saturday and Sunday, but me and my brother Nick went out Friday and uh, he wanted to hike back into that spot again. It's hard to tell these stories without the names of these spots, but I just I don't want to give them up. So, you know, he wants to hike into that mountain again where we where we had all that wind. And I said, I said, yeah, you know, we we could do that for sure if it's not going to be windy, you know. And I said, but I really want to check out this other spot where we had seen that big, heavy short ram. And uh, and he goes, well, let's do that in the morning first light, you know, so we don't have to hike into this other spot at dark. And then we'll hike into the other spot after the morning glassing sessions kind of over, you know, which that's the one cool thing about these sheep is that they, they're like antelope in a lot of ways where they'll just lay down right in the open. You know what I mean? And if they lay down at all, you know, so you can kind of hunt all day long. If you can handle being out in 65 degree weather that they're out, you know what I mean? They're around. So we, we go into this area and, uh, and as soon as we get there, 
I spot these two two rams in the in the podcast world. If you can picture looking down a canyon, <laughs> so you're looking down a canyon. You know, steep sides on both sides. There's two rams on the left, and we wanted to hike up to the right and look down at this whole kind of valley canyon area. So we're getting all our stuff out of the truck, you know, putting on our packs and everything. And uh, my brother, dude, the sun's just starting to, you know, really get bright enough. I saw those first two rams, but it was it was pretty dark. And uh, he goes, hey, right here on the right. And literally, it's like this whole cliffed out mountain with one little passageway to go up to hike up on top of it. And they're laying right on top of it. So right where we were going to go hiking, there's these there's these three rams laying there. <laughs> so I'm like, well, we can't really go up there because they're they'll just run right through all the country that we want to go look at. And then we had kind of seen before, like if you scare because they're herd animals, right? So if you scare, like say you see like three or four of them on one part of a mountain and they get bumped, if they run through that mountain, they'll pick all the ones that are around them up. They'll mm. all run together. You know what I mean? They get it'll scare them. Maybe everything does that, but you know, these things for sure, if they go running by a a ram that's laying down, he'll jump right up and run with them. Even if it's been a hundred yards from where they got spooked. So we didn't want to spook them down. So we just ended up going down the the middle of this Canyon, which wasn't ideal, but there wasn't really anything we could do about it. So these two little rams kind of walk with us the whole way, right there that we're just going and they're just kind of going up a little bit higher and so we finally get out to this little point where we can look and, uh, you know, kind of glass back and glass this canyon, then glass out to where this canyon opens up. And uh, we're glassing and glassing and glassing and not seeing anything. So I kind of just wanted to look at those little rams again, you know, because I was just halfway bored and not seeing anything else. So I just want to look at them. So I turn around and I look and, and, and I said to my brother, I go, where are those little rams at? And he says, they're right there. I think they're a little bit higher than they were before. And right then I see this set of horns start coming up out of this like little crack in the mountain, you know, and, and I go, Oh, they're with that heavy short one. And I, I barely even finished that. And then the rest of his horns cleared and they obviously weren't broken off. So he's got that mass like that first one we saw, but then he's got his full horns. How far away? 275. Oh, they were just right there. He, so he was not with them, but he must've either been laying down right there or he was, it was, you know, like I said, it was first light kind of time. So mm-hmm. it was like, we weren't, we, it wasn't the greatest visibility somewhere. He was there and, and they picked him up or whatever. Huh. And, uh, Nick, Nick turns around. I mean, he looked one time and he goes, I'm shooting him. <laughs> yeah. So he laid, he laid down. Like I told you guys before he laid down, you know, and I'm, I'm a, I'm five or whatever, six, seven yards behind away from him. So. I'm trying to give him the range and he can't, you know, he couldn't hear me. Just walk over here. You know, <laughs> I walk over there. And yeah. He made it. Uh, it was a close, I mean, 275. It was nothing. A chip shot. So tell me a little bit more about the details of the hunting part of it. When you, you had mentioned that you were wanting to go up a ridge, saw some rams where you were going, didn't want to blow them out. So you decided to kind of head down what the bottom mouth of this kind of draw. Yeah. It's dark or semi-light. Yeah, you know, first so light, kind of first like that light. first. So, I mean, l- listening to your story, you didn't just beat feed and loud and oh, talking. No, 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 you no, hunted no, no. down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. stayed quiet. Well, we had, like I said, we had those two that were, they were yeah. kind of walking so with us the whole time So you're just working your way down through this draw, well, and you ended up having a good ram that ended up taking a dirt nap. Yeah. 
easily within 500 yards of you that whole time. It sounds oh, yeah. like how far down in there. So, so when you made the decision to, to not bump them and walk down, how far down in there did you go? Did you go a quarter mile, a half a mile? Yeah, like you said, probably 500 yards. So probably. really, that, that, that ram is around oh, you. Oh, yeah, the whole he was time. there. Like, yeah. if we, the only thing is, like, the, the mountain that they were kind of on, you know, the hillside, whatever, they were kind of kind of bent back away from us. So we may have never seen him from up at the top just because the way that it kind of went. Uh, well, we may have never seen, if I wouldn't have wanted to look back at them, we probably never would have seen him, period. You know what I mean? Like, odds are we were going to go the other direction. You know, because we had already hiked days before. It's hard to describe this in podcast world, but if you were looking straight away, we had already hunted to the left d- days prior. Now we're kind of in the middle. I wanted to go more towards the right, which was more towards the park. Um, for a couple reasons, you know, one, because we hadn't really been over there. Two, because there was no roads over there. That was a big problem that we would run into, you know, we spotted some Rams just to give you a side story. We spotted some Rams way far away. And, uh, so we hike out, you know, two and a half, three miles on, on a, on a, a flat, I would call it, you know, some definite up and down, but not up a mountain. We get three quarters of the way where we're going. There's a freaking road that goes right through it, but you don't, I'm not familiar with the country. You know, my brother's not familiar with the country, you know, so you would, we would never know that that road's there. So we walk our way all the way out there. Luckily, no trucks came by. Unluckily, they ended up being smaller rams, but you know, that nothing makes me more, you know, angry than walking all that way to, to bump into a road. You know what I mean? Unless you end up killing one and then, unless you kill and then, yeah, the truck can come right (laughs) to it. Uh, it back out a little easier. But so back to, you know, we hunted the left. We had kind of hunted the center. Now I wanted to trend towards the right. So we would have probably walked away from that ram, you know, just because it was. So really, was, so those those small rams up on the trail that where you were heading made the hunt in a way. They say, dude, saved it. Yeah. And, and honestly, like I had to tell my brother like three times. They weren't small. They were decent, kind of a little bit beyond like a cookie cutter kind of ram. And they were so close to us. They were 199 yards. He kind of kept looking at them. I'm like, they're really close to us. So they look kind of big. big. And it was, you know, that perfect early morning light. I got a picture on my phone. I'll show you guys. But uh, is this better than Tom Rasher Sheens? No, this is just this is just a (laughs) this is an iPhone up to a Vortex scope. But dude, the look at the lights just beaming off of them. That you you in the podcast world can't see. I'll post it for you. But I'd take both of them. Right. And that's what put that around. I want to see. What do you mean? Past your phone. Oh. It's too far away. So they look beautiful and the light shining on their horns. And I kept telling my brother, I'm like, don't, they're just, they're they just will close be nice to us. Kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just close to us and they just look big, you know, because they do. They, they, you look at them and go, dang, I, I'd kill both of those, you know. And it's, it was sad because the top ram in that photo, he got up to walk away and he was limping. And it was, it, you know, it was almost like, Hey, maybe you should shoot that one, dude. You know, it but, almost looks. I was just gonna say, I, I don't know if that's a. It might just be a bush. Oh, that, that red on the back of him? Yeah. No, it's just a cactus. It's one of those it barrel cactuses. Cactus. Okay. Yeah, it's funny. Right when I said that, I was you, like, it oh, kind of looks like blood, blood on him. On him. Huh? Yeah, and then said, he <laughs> he had a bad a bad not like a broken leg dangling limp like he was putting some weight on it, but definitely. If a coyote or something got on his tracks, he's done. Man, you think about the terrain that they live in. Mm. 
yeah. how many sprained ankles they have. You know, well, <laughs> like, and they'll like, run. It's you crazy. Know, like, the injuries that antelopes they always in, impress me. Right, the way they put those four <laughs> feet around every rock in the thing and run ninety miles yeah. an hour. These guys not as fast, but they run like that. And too, what man. they can climb. That's what's oh, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, so uh yeah, those those three got that big guy killed. Maybe that's part of so their plan. You, so you ended up and it's crazy because it's you know, hunting is hunting and stuff, but you end up seeing a ram that you never saw before and you saw him for it sounds like minutes before yeah. the bullet <laughs> yeah and that's you know, what that's kind of you know it, you do know when you see a big one you know just kind of like an antelope when they've got when they've got mass and they've got length and they're not broke up like you can tell pretty quick i mean he knew crazy, crazy. you know the, the heavy one that was short you know he, when i first saw him i was like oh my god you know and then we had some time to study him and i kind of talked my brother out of shooting him too um, but he's big, you know, heavy, but just short. Yeah. It's it, they're a lot like antelope in the way that you you gotta have it. You 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 can really fall short if you don't, you know, like an antelope if you don't get some prong. Because yep. really, you, you're talking 170 inch. All you need to do is, you know, you lose four inches yeah. on each horn, and now all of a sudden he's not that big, right? And and yeah. you know that's and that's what's kind of funny is I don't remember all my brother's measurements, but so. He's 35 and some change long on one horn and like 33 and some change on the other. And it's basically that and and a minor couple of details is the difference between him being a 170 Ram. And that's pretty hard to tell tell that quick. You know what I mean? Like you would have never known he was real short or not real short, but shorter on one side, two inches shorter on one side than the other. But, you know, that like he's just like an antelope. So it sounds like he's just roughly he's 70. So he's got about. 100 well 95 or so inches of mass yeah yeah so the and now i i can't remember but you basically got to get like a, a 15 inch base you know they've got it they've got a they've got a uh kind of a, a formula like yeah. to, like you've discussed in the past but so and it's like your second measurement's an inch off of that one so you figure 14 you know 15 14 and then you lose i think three more and then your last one, you lose like six, you know, because that's where it really tapers down. So the last two equal the first one. and Yeah. yeah. Kind of like an antelope in a way. Yeah. yeah so I think but my brother's. about 45 inches of mass each horn. I get yeah. you 90 and 70. There's your 160. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. So his yeah. his was, I can't remember it all off the top of my head, but he was 166 and something. And then his, his net was 165 and five eighths. So, so yeah, just his deductions were that little bit of that. Yeah, that just that length. little bit. Yeah, I'm not. He actually, the the guy that measured him, you know, he he measures all one horn first, you know, and then he he's going through the second one. And he's measuring, and I mean, he does the tape, you know, twenty times. He goes, I got to give it to you. His third measurements on both horns are like exactly the same, like fourteen and a You're trying to find eighth and fourteen and an eighth. Yeah. And yeah, so he ended up being real symmetrical as far as as his width measurements. He and they uh, don't have a they don't have a drying period as far as like a if you want yeah to that's like not official. official. So that's just your preliminary. You figure you're you, well, you got to check. Uh, you got to check bighorn sheep in with fish and game. They get plugged, yeah, right, which you don't right, have to do with right. any other animals. So uh, they don't they they don't. It's not an official score uh, as far as you can't turn it into the Boone book because yeah you gotta you gotta let it dry for. 30 days but i mean you know i don't i don't know if my brother my brothers would make the book will make the book if he chooses to to 
apply it to the book. I don't know if he will. You said the score from him, 165 and 5? Yeah, so I uh, one he was yeah one sixty. That's what I was telling him is a lot like antelope. You got to have everything, and <sighs> and a little bit of a a difference can be the difference. You know what I mean? So his his one horn I don't remember the exact was thirty five and some change, and his second one was just a little bit shorter, like thirty three and some change, and that difference is like the difference of a one seventy ram. You know what I mean? Because he was one sixty six and and some change. And then he had a his net was one sixty five and five eight, so he was, but you know just the difference of a two inches of gross score and four inches of net, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean that little bit, and even yeah, as far as antelope, even even more so, just an inch here, yeah. And you know his his is a, you know like I was telling him when they when they measured him at fish and game because you got to get him plugged. Mm -hmm. That's why he has it's not an official score, but it is scored. By yeah. a guy that scored a ton of sheep. Yeah. It's not us doing it at camp. Uh, his third mass measurements were exactly the same, and he measured it like twenty times. He kept pulling and pulling and pulling and pulling. He's like, "I have, I got to give it to you." You know, fourteen and an eighth full size. It was crazy, like the way that. It, and that's what his his ram scores so well because it holds his mass all the way out. Yeah. You know, my mom's was a one sixty three and a half or something, one sixty three and five eighths or something uh, long though. You know, hers comes all the way back around and goes up again, where Nick's kind of just comes out to the jaw and stops. Hers actually, so you pick up two more inches on each side. Hers might not have been as heavy as his, but you get four more inches of length out of it. You still got a, you still got yeah. a big ram, you know. And it was an eight year old. You said, yeah, eight year old. And that's ram. a good. That's a old, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good ram. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I think they kill some ten year old rams. Those are the giants. You know what I mean? Like you see a one eighty ram, he's gonna be ten years old or or some kind of a freak, but. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that they last much longer than that. Like I said, he did not look very good. I mean, yeah. skinny and there's no fat on him. They're just weird. Do uh, is he or did you uh, <laughs> eat anything yet? No, not yet. You, you didn't eat because uh, I remember Dave Stanley's dad um, killed a sheep one year, a long time ago, before he passed away, um, and we had it's good. A lot of people don't like you know it's mutton. You know it's it is a sheep. Yeah, and it is eating cactus and not really good food. I'll it's tell hot. you that the backstrap was real stringy on it. Uh, the so this is funny. My buddy that came with us, they cooked its nuts. The, he killed one the year before, and he said phenomenal. Said they battered them in tempura batter and fried them right out there. He right out there at camp mm. said it was phenomenal. Just like. Just like sheep Rocky nuts. Mountain, yeah, just right. yeah. Las Vegas oysters. I yeah, guess, Las huh? Vegas oysters. I, 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 we did not even take the nuts off my brothers. Uh, it's, I'll pass. It's funny you say that because I was going to ask. I don't know if you uh, seen, but Jana Waller, Skullbound, mm -hmm. she just killed a nice ram in Colorado, and she's a Rocky. Yeah, yeah. And she it's she uses one. she uses everything. Would she mean, make she, his nuts into a purse? Uh, uh, I think a cell phone case. She said, -uh. <laughs> "Yeah, I think she said uh, she was doing a cell phone case because she just loves using every bit hey, of it." There's and a very nasty comment I could have shared right there, but I'm not going. <laughs> literally. <laughs> so, does Nick have any idea or plans for the nut sack? We did not harvest the nuts or nut sack off that thing. He's not putting the nuts on his chin. Uh, no. <laughs> But you know what's funny, dude, is those things go around kicking each other in the nuts, dude. They, if if you watch dirty. them, when they're, that's kind of like, you know, they obviously butt their heads. That's what everybody sees them do. But they kick each other in the ball. They're, 
since we're on the topic, their nuts hang down like 10 inches probably. And they're big, dude. And they're they're just kind of hanging down there. And yeah, so they'll walk by each other and kick each other in the nuts and freaking smash their horns into each other. It's kind of a, it, they're really interesting little I, it's weird It's funny, animals, earlier dude. when you were talking about the drought and stuff, I was tar- uh, just in the back of my mind thinking about biology. So it's, you know, they were talking about a drought and obviously you're still seeing big rams uh, horn-wise. Oh, yeah. You said it's giants and all that, but yet they're struggling. So I started, you know, you got to start thinking of the biology of it. Like they're going to sac- it this is the way I've been thinking about it. They're going to sacrifice some muscle mass and that aspect of stuff because the, their way to survival is basically to fight. The way they fight is way different than any of the other oh, yeah. game yeah. animals we do. And I just, I've never really thought about it in that context. So you start talking about that, but they probably hormonally, they're going to sacrifice some of the body part of stuff and struggle a little bit, but they still need that. They that need their horns, thick yeah. skull and that horn, so that that's because that's what's going to kill them when they start butting heads. They're going to they're going to die. Yep, and the, so that's uh, kind of crazy. Their point. chest plate. If, I don't know if you guys have ever skinned one out. So they they have like this. It's like the like a the back of a pig. You know, they get like that gristly, like like a pig gets it on his back. Sheep get it. At least these sheep get it on their chest, and I think that's part of you know because they rear up and then slam into each other, and th- so they. They take some of those glancing blows and shit on their front region. So they have like this gristly like, and then that's like, you'll see when they lay down, they lay their like chest down first and then their back, which kind of, I guess maybe all of them do. But so yeah, so they've got this real like thick, gristly hmm. like chest. So where this one's back straps were not very, not very uh, thick. You know, usually when you when you feel dress an animal, you know, especially you know, you cape his back down, you can really see those distinct back straps right there, and you you put your knife right on the side of the spine and take it down, and then go down and start going back. You get that big thick. These things are like a like a salmon like fillet almost, like thin and real like stringy. Which you wonder, you know, in a really good non-drought time if that's different, but yeah, it's kind of just an interesting biology thing. And then its back legs, it had the smallest rump i've ever seen mm-hmm. like just there's like nothing and it's like you said i i wonder all if their powers up front it's all up front yeah. it's all you um, know like you said their neck head shoulders well just to real quick to finish that whole thought on the you know kicking them in each other in the nuts because you know if you're going to move up the chain and be able to breed the the ewes and stuff it's almost that's what they're doing they're yeah. trying to kick them in the nuts so you know stop producing their hormones their yep. testosterone to build their horns up and then all of a sudden you know you don't have any competition so yep. crazy evolution with the, crazy with the desert sheep and they uh and it's it's you know the the rams are kind of with each other again you know the you know kind of the old saying the the big stuff's not with the little stuff kind of thing you know so the big the big king ram He's not hanging out with all them little ones all the time. You don't want to be kicked in the nuts and all. But he comes in when it's time to go. You know. And what, what's their what is their cycle as far as you know rutting and you know they what, were what, they were right frames? they were I wouldn't say they were real heavy into it when we were there, but it's funny they do that lip that rip that a uh, lip curl. Yeah. They're sniffing the uh, you know the the ewes for to see if they're in heat or not. And I actually watched one. He had like ten ewes with him. Uh. And one of one of the ewes peed on the ground. He was right in it, dude. 
and sniffing, 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 sniffing. You know, and she was just kind of right in front of him. And then he leaned back and curled his lip all up, and he was sniffing all behind her, dude. And then sure enough, you know, he kind of went and tried to get one little hop, it. hop on her back, and she took off running. <laughs> I and, ain't ready yet, yeah, man. Yeah, and he kind of chased her down, and she, you know, a lot like antelope, man. Like, Was he a decent one? Was he mature? Yeah, you know, he was on that face of that. What we were looking at, he was the only one. Hmm. So I think that's part of it too. Is like they're so nomadic, you know, that some of those ones might get to breed just out of opportunity, right? You know, like a big one might have walked over this hillside, and then this one comes into play, and he's there, and it's like, eh, I don't have hmm. to fight anyone over it. But you, you know, like when there's the the groups of the rams that are kind of hanging with each other, they're always kind of tussling. You know what I mean? But they also don't, like, we weren't seeing a lot of, like, mixed groups where you had a bunch of ewes and a bunch of little rams and then, you know, something else. It was like they were around each other but not, like, real close. You know, you'd see a group of rams and then maybe 500 yards away you'd see some so, ewes or whatever. They're late then. So we're talking, I yeah. mean, we're talking late November. I would so. think either they're just coming out of it or they're just getting it. wasn't heavy when we were there. So it's got to be getting into it. Yeah. Maybe just so they, getting into they it. They breed. They do it late mm-hmm. compared yeah, to. Yeah. I mean, not, without one. looking yeah. it up or knowing, I would say that they were. Because, I mean, the elk, the deer, they're all done. They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. completely on the other side of it. So well, yeah, because they they're, re- they're not going to really get that weather, right? So weather probably. So they got spring lambs is what they call it, right? So, yeah, they're probably they're probably coming into it right now. They have their baby in April, May, whatever, something like that. Yeah. Probably just like a cool. So, so you, you you hiked how far was the hike in for the kill? I didn't it wasn't crazy, probably five hundred yards, oh. six hundred yards. You know, so we you, had a decent we had a not a not a long hike up, but a steep hike up if those rams wouldn't have been there. But then yeah. who knows if we would have even seen this one if we got up there, but maybe we would have seen something else too. But so this was a this was a gradual kind of it was a much easier, you know, ended up being much easier. Yeah. Just the nature of it. And you packed it. out the 40 pounds? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they're you tiny. Just, I mean, you just had the Segway. How'd your, how'd your Everly stock? Oh, perform? it was legit, dude. Uh, yeah, I took all the, I took all the quarters and the, you know, back straps and all that shit. And he took the, uh, he took the head and horns, which I could, I think I'm, I know I could have taken the whole thing. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't so heavy that I, but th- their head, their head is heavy. Their horns are. Did you take a lot. any pictures for me? Oh yeah. What's your uh, what? What did you run? You you have the F one mainframe. Yeah, F one, and then what we call it? The little brother, maybe little it was brother. called. So little you brother. went F one mainframe, little brother. Yeah, and it was legit, dude. Cause side pouch. Yeah, I had that side pouch. Four quarters on the on the uh, mainframe. Yep. Four and quarters then, in the in the back straps and you know kind yeah. of trimmings and stuff. And then it's cool. You you hook. It's hard to explain, but yeah, you the pack the has straps. straps. Yeah. So basically, I walked around with it hooked and all sucked together all the rest of the time, and had spotting scope and a, a hydration pack and a, you know extra jacket and all your BS. And then when you kill one, you just unsnap that from it. You load that F one mainframe just like you'd load anything else, but instead of cinching like straps over the meat you hook your pack back over the top of it. Yep. And then, so you end up with like a sandwich, right? So you got F1, meat, and then your, in our case, little brother packs on the outside. On the on the back side, then your compression yeah. straps wrap around to the front. On the back side, yeah. It, well, it all hooks on the side there, yeah. Yeah, what I noticed the picture you showed me is 
so the the F one mainframe has has the vertical part and then the shelf on the bottom. Yeah, so it all you were able right. to rest all of those quarters on that. I laid that pack shelf. down with the the slope of the mountain. You know what I mean? So the top of that pack was with the slope of this mountain, and then I just stacked all the quarters. I put the I put the miscellaneous meat down kind of first. Keep in mind this is a sheep, so yeah, it's and, not and, much. And I cut the. I cut the legs down to just the just top the joint, uh -huh. but so laid all that meat down first and then stacked all four of the quarters kind of <laughs> like diagonal and yeah. up. So you, you, if you look, there's one long bone stick cause they're kind of stacked like diagonal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, yeah. So they were all on that F one. And then I literally un, I pulled all the, the strap part is on the backpack part. So I loosen those up and pull them out as far as they could go set it right on top of all that meat, hooked all six of those clips, and then just tightened them like a, in a, almost like a lug nut pattern, you know, top left, bottom <laughs> right, top right, bottom left, two centers. It all sucked it in together into one piece. I picked the thing up, threw it on my back and walked out. Never moved. It was legit, dude. What you do know? you, what do you guess your total weight was on your pack out? I, I don't. Again. Can't be sixty. I was gonna say with 60, bone in because you don't get much. Yeah, 60, 60, 70 pounds. 65 pounds, something like that. Plus, I had a spotting scope. Uh, I ended up putting my binoculars in my pack. Just I didn't have to, but I took them off when we were cleaning, so I just threw them in there. Uh, hydration pack with you know two bottles worth of water in it, and then all the other BS I carry. Probably an eighty pound pack, maybe. Look at you. Very nice. Look at you. Mm. <laughs> it's all in the equipment. You, you know, know what I, mean? I was doing yeah. while both of you were doing yours? Working. <laughs> sitting on my ass, not being able to do anything. I am I am so, I have one more day of work, and then I'm not coming back to this office for weeks. Then for you're one day. I'm going to Vegas for NFR. Yeah, that was going on when I was there. That's like a month-long rodeo. Then I'm going... To Arkansas, then to Oklahoma. No, or sorry, Arkansas, then Texas, then Oklahoma. I'm not coming home. Are you going to – does that all happen before Christmas? No, or? Arkansas before, come home for Christmas, back to Texas, then to Oklahoma. No SHOT Show? Then SHOT Show. Oh, so that's all before then. Yeah, and then He's, maybe there might be one more trip before that, then SHOT, then California late season. I guess uh, Alex and I are going to be doing plenty of – Coyote hunting, just the two of us. Just, just the two, two of us. us. I'm probably gonna go to Shot Show though, just so you know. <laughs> we don't plan on coyote hunting around there. <laughs> you should come down this year. Or SCI. In a few years. SCI's down there too this year, January. At the same time, yeah. It's bright, pretty much. It's either a couple days in between each other or what, but yeah, pretty much the same. 21st or 22nd. So that's think, fun. I've never been on a sheep hunt. That's that's what's I. I've never been on a sheep hunt. Have you? You've never been on a sheep I've hunt. I've been on a sheep hunt. He went retrieve. on a sheep pack out. Yeah, you trying to yeah, I retrieve. Walked, I walked to the top of the Stillwater Mountains, left in the dark. <laughs> this was my Uncle Mel that set this up and helped a guy out. He got pushed off the mountain. Had to, He shot his sheep, left it up on the mountain, pushed him off the mountain, which I don't know why he did that. But, yeah, him and I took off the next morning in the dark, and, and my dad drove out there with me and Uncle Mel. My dad says, here, take these headlamps, you know, and I'm like, Headlamps? We're leaving in the dark. I'm not going to need headlamps. We needed those headlamps. That's my you're out all day. so far. We come back. We were back dark dark. in the dark. I was yeah. actually, I remember. That's how I far actually up remember. that mountain he took it. And it's not like, I mean, we basically, I took 
you know, a dozen pictures of him once he got to his sheep. We packed that sucker up. Now he hadn't done anything with it. He gutted it. So we had to, you know, we had to quarter it and everything. So that took a little while. But other than that, let's it just say hiking, 45 minutes, out. it was hiking up there and hiking back. And, and we left in the dark and come back. I and remember. Back. I remember. <laughs> I uh, So I've had my fill of uh, sheep hunting. <laughs> I remember we got actually were a little, getting a little worried, you know, because we were you, like. You were at the bottom? No, I was. Oh, I you were out down. Yeah, there. I was just like, he's got to be back by now. Right. You know, and. I would figure they would have been back by like noon, basically. Right. Well, walk say, up, yeah. get it, yeah. and walk couple down. Hours up, couple hours back, kind of thing. And and no, so, so we kind of go. But I've never been on a sheep hunt, so one of these days, someone's got one of us going to pull a tag. I got twenty something points. I was going to say, I think this year makes my twenty first point. There's a really good Indian. chance that one of you guys will be the next ones to have a tag of yeah. some sort. So no, you'll do that one. Like or will like all three get chance? We'll pull it, or yeah, all three, four of us will pull one. <laughs> yeah, we'll all get them in at the same time in different areas. Which yeah. they got a month tag, so you can do that. You just won't be able to work for a month. Yeah, I'll tell you. I think I think any animal could get you in trouble with what you just said. You know, if you're kind of hunting and following and hiking, and you know, you that's how you end up in those spots, right, where you're so far away and you kill something. You know, like sheep could do it to you because they don't they don't run from you. They will run from you. You know, we we did. We I'm not saying we were stalking this ram, but we wanted to get a better look at him. And I misjudged. I don't know the area at all, you know. So we we had to go around a mountain to to try and cut him off. And I misjudged how how far into this thing I was. And they ended up being like 20 yards from us. Oh. <laughs> so they ran, but they did not run so far and so fast that you couldn't have just kind of followed them. You know what I mean? Like. So I could see where if you like maybe bumped one, you would be able to just kind of keep working them until you finally got to them. And then you end up, man, I'm six miles away from my truck, you know, or whatever type of thing. I I don't know. I mean, I hope he was big for hiking all day and all night to go get him. You found a, didn't you find a dead skull too? Yeah. I found a real interesting dead skull that was a, it was a one horner, but it was a, so their skull has a, what would you call it? Horn. A, a horn, I bone, guess. You know, a, bone. Yeah, a bone. bone that's what, five, six inches oh, long? Yeah. Doesn't have that on one side. So, so it's just a single horn. Yeah, when I called the biologist, I said, if you guys had this animal tracked, I found him dead in this draw up on the Stillwaters, da da da. And, and uh, he'd be unique because he never grew a horn. Because based off of that, I would think the fact that he didn't have the bony part of it, he never had a right. horn on that side. So, but yeah. What did the skull look like? It was normal and then had the bone? It was a. Pre- it was a perfectly normal skull with one of the huh. two horns. I guess you'd call it like devil horns or whatever yeah, yeah. on the skull part. And he had the the one horn was was on him. Did you take? Did horn, you keep? Did you take it? Yeah, it's in my backyard. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's my that's my trophy. So that's an interesting. Uh, they used to plug deadhead. I found all this out at Endow, and then I'll let you guys go. Uh, <laughs> so they used to plug horns, right? So if you killed one, you could bring the deadhead into Endow, and they would get whatever information they wanted from it. They'd plug it. You could keep it. So they don't plug them anymore. Uh, but if there's any human interaction, and human interaction could even be tangled in a fence, you know, tangled in a snare trap, whatever, you can't keep them. So you have to, here's how it goes now. You find a deadhead. You mark it with a GPS. You let Fish and Game know about it. They might tell you, we don't have time to come over there. Whatever. Then you're supposed to take a few pictures or take a bunch of pictures, take a video, take a whatever. 
if, but if they determine that human interactions involved, you can't keep the deadhead. And I would huh. think if it got hit by a car it would be the same thing. And nor can you keep any on any kind of a park. So like you couldn't go into the Valley of Fire and pick yeah, up deadheads. But you're you're saying that's like if it was some sort of a fresh kill, you walk up on it dead. Not something Skull, it, bleached out bones, everything. Bleached out bones. So if it's all bleached out bones and there's barbed wire wrapped all around it, like it got hung up in a fence. That's, I'm doing the air quotations. You're wow. not allowed to keep it huh. because they don't plug them anymore, and they don't. And I think what he kind of they want to know, they want to make sure no one's poaching type of thing. Yeah. And 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 I think the fence thing threw me right. Like there's a million ranchers fences in Nevada. There's a million BLM fences in Nevada. Like if one got hung up in a fence, how can yeah, you tell if it's cares? human interaction? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. You know. So anyway, that's the rule with deadheads I, now. Yeah, so. I think that it seems to be. Not being much of a sheep hunter, but you know, you follow social media and stuff. They're a, for lack of better terms, they're a fragile animal in a lot of ways. Oh yeah, big time. to our other big game animals, Pneumonia. and you find a lot more deadheads. Oh, I mean, that's yeah. a part of it too. There's just so much more because how many times, how many, how many uh, deer deadheads have you found in your entire yeah. life? Not none, bit no big ones, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like yeah. you know, they just they. I think it's much more yeah. of a common. Well, they get like he said, so they got to track it more. They're trying to figure out what the hell's happening to them. And, they got that pneumonia problem that yeah. because they're such a herd animal. If one gets it, they'll, you know, we had a huge die off here. They there was stories of guys watching them coughing on the mountain, and then they'd fall over dead, and they'd walk up and go get their head, you know, because yeah, they're they are kind of weak and susceptible to all that stuff and yeah and maybe going back just to go full circle around to the biology part because they put too much emphasis on fighting yeah and putting all their all their (laughs) every nutrition aspect of stuff into their head yep their skull and their you know their body is weak it's it's it really yeah it's it was fragile it was like uh dude caping and i've caped that's my third one now but uh they're weak dude you know what i mean you know like when we caped your your not elk, hard to dislocate the hip and you dude, know, just kind of just it <laughs> easy. falls off. Literally, like you you pull back their skin to you know skin them, and it's like you could dang near you could you can probably do it with your hands, just kind of sliding it down and pulling it off. Yeah, cutting the arms off, cutting the head off. Like the head was like the neck breaking its neck off was was because there's not a ton of leverage. You know, you don't got that big rack to kind of spin. You do out there, but they're heavy too. You know, but yeah. Uh, Plus yeah. their neck's strong as hell. Yeah, That's all that other stuff was so easy. It was like you almost have to be careful. You can cut right through their hide. You know, they're they're made like a Dodge pickup. I guess that's where they got Dodge Ram from. Right? right? <laughs> they look cool, but they're soft. Yeah, yeah. I like that analogy. Yeah, or, about that one. Anyway, and that's a wrap. That's all you need. Thanks Hopefully for letting Dodge us. Uh, want to this episode brought to you by Dodge Trucks. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. I had a Dodge. It was okay. No. Uh. Well, thanks for letting us live the Ram life for, yeah, for a I, minute. I'll post a few uh, pictures on the old social I had a way media. better time that week, by the way, but, you know, that's, you had what, that's another day. I had a way better time. The, We're going to talk oh, yeah, about your hunt, either Eat. with you or with the man, Trevor Marks. Hey, so. make some notes so you don't forget all your, uh, you know, details of your hunt. Yeah, you are getting old. I'm going to write a story here pretty soon. I'll, yeah, I'll talk to old... Trevor, if you're listening, we need you down here. Yep. All right, folks. Till next time, I'm Clay. That's Clint. That's Alex. They're both bald as hell looking across. The lights are shining bright on their heads. You You can put them on a Christmas tree. Holy Jesus. And that's coming from 
Right. At least I got a little hair on there that you takes got one shine patch off. in the front, dude. Whatever. You look like it's Samuel not, L. Jackson as, as, on uh, Django. <laughs> it's not shiny like <laughs> your guy. Whatever. <laughs> Cecil Washington is his dad. That's, so that's right. Kind of a dick right there. All right, so folks. See you. See you.